It says in the scripture, Behold, I am alive forevermore. He is risen. And he's alive. Amen? Listen, church. He can turn your Goliath around because he's a game changer. And this morning, my question is this. Does anybody need a reversal? Is anybody here today who's terminal? Is anybody here who's in a crisis and you can't fix it? It's just way too big. It's too deep. You can't get your arms around it and you are literally just dying. Some of you, you might say, I just feel like this is killing me. God knows the right time to turn your situation around. Then I'm trying to tell you, you don't know who you're dealing with, but you're dealing with the great I am. That's what communion does for all of us as we took place and took part of it last week through the Holy Week. He says this, do this in remembrance of me, that I defeated them on Calvary and I'm still beating them today. And so today I want to challenge each and every one of you to live under the providential hand of God, even when it looks like things just aren't working out in your favor. I would like to invite you, if you will, please, on your iPad, your electronic device, your Bible, to turn, if you will, please, to John. John chapter 8, 12 through 59. And you're going to say, that's a lot of scripture, Pastor. Well, as I start reading the scripture, I do have a text here, but we'll let, we'll, I'll let you know where we're going once I get going here, right? But I think that in this text, we start to see that John is starting to explain who the great I am is. And as you turn there, we'll start to see the scripture unfold that he is the great I am. So let's read together. And here's where it starts in verse 12 of chapter 8 in John. You can follow with us. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. Now, let me have you do something maybe a little different today. In your Bibles where it says, I am, kind of circle it. If you have a highlighter, you can highlight it. If you have your iPad or your iPhone, you can also like dab it or do whatever you want. But today I want to teach you who Jesus is. How, how does that correlate? How do they come together? That he is the great I am. You know, I could come up here and just continue to talk about the transfiguration and how Jesus manifested himself. He came back to life. And yet... He was amongst his disciples and uh, Mary, Martha, they saw him. He was back in the upper room. He went to the transfiguration. But today I want you to see that he had the anointing of his father, the great I am. So every time we get to that part here in this chapter, I want you to go ahead and just highlight it, circle it, and do whatever you need to do in there. So it says they're saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Verse 13 says, the Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh and I judge no one. Interesting. And yet if I do judge, my judgment is true for I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. 
I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you'd have known my father also. Interesting, interesting verse there, isn't it? When you look at verse 19, If you would have known me, you would have known my father. So I ask you today, Do you know your father? If you know him, then you would know his father. If you know Jesus, then you know how much he loves you and he cares for you. And he's there for you because he says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Wow, amazing, isn't it? So if you do know him, what kind of relationship do you have with Jesus, the resurrected Christ? So it goes from because he lives to ride into the great I am. And now we're in verse 20. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple and no one laid hands on him for his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am interesting going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself because he says, where I go, you cannot come? And he said to them, you are from beneath, I am from above, you are of this world, and I am not of this world. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Did you circle, I am he? Just kind of watch how this starts to unfold. Then they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I have been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. They did not understand that he spoke to them of the father. And yet in verse 28, then Jesus said to them, when you lift up. The son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as of my father taught me, I speak these things and he who sent me is with me. The father has not left me alone for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believe him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide, circle that, highlight it, put some arrows. If you remain in me, if you abide in me, if you sup with me, if you hang out with me, it says there that we're going to hang out together, right? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you, okay, for all 12 people that were listening. <laughs> and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. All right, goodness. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. There's that word abide again, right? Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be what? Free, free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. And then it continues, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do works, and you would do the works 
of Abraham. You got to remember this is kind of showing a little bit of parts of the Old Testament because the Jewish people really believed that they were, you know, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says in the Old Testament that as the stars are in the heaven and it's a, the, the sand is by the seashore, so shall your descendants be blessed. So here we're starting to see it unfold. And that's when they said, well, wait a minute here. And he answered and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's, uh, go back there just for a minute here. If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, right? Because they were just so legalistic but now you seek to kill me right so we're in verse 40 but now you seek to kill me a man who has told you the truth which i heard from god abraham did not do this you do the deeds of your father and then they said to him we were not born of fornication we have one father and he is god jesus said to them if god were your father you would love me for i proceeded forth and came from god nor have i come of myself but he sent me why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word? In verse 44, he said, and they said, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, who do you not or why do you not believe me? He was of God, hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. And it starts to unfold here, and it's funny how they start to see this. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. And I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. And then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead in the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater then our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be anyhow? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. And was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was... What's it say? I am. I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, Going through the midst of them, And so passed he by. So we start to see this unfolding, and we start seeing what's happening. And the context is Jesus declaring that those who believe in him would never die. And they can't believe that Jesus is actually talking like this. The religious leaders say, whose authority can you say that? I mean, they say, look, look at Abraham. He lived 2,000 years ago. He died. All the prophets died. Who do you think you are? 
You're a demon. You're right from the devil talking crazy like that. Jesus tells him, no, I'm not that crazy one. It's not me. I know the Father, and if I said that he's not going to die, who believes in me? He's not going to die. They said, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Abraham, our father, died. You're not even 50 years old. He died 2,000 years ago. On what basis can you make such a crazy, whacked-out statement, such a demonic statement about death, and you're not even 50 years old? And that's what Jesus gives us our name for today. And he says in verse 48, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was born. So we can skip the death part here and we can start to see this plan. I'm going to start off at the birth. Before Abraham was born, I am. I'm going to start off right here. The name we're going to talk about today is the name I am. And it says, before Abraham was born, I am. Let's pray. Lord, in the next few minutes, would you just help me to bring uh, really this message so that our people, your children, can understand it. Fathers, we look at this doctrine and, and the theological uh, perspective of this today. Father, may we all learn the importance of uh, of your word and the great I am for you are holy and you are mighty and you are the great I am so father today hide me behind this cross let me be a mouthpiece fill me with the Holy Ghost and help me do your work Lord speak to all of us today in Jesus name amen think about this here he was he said listen I am the great I am and because they thought he was blaspheming, what they do? It says they picked up the stones to throw at him. And it says at that time in verse 59, then they took up the stones to throw it at But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. But here he is saying, I know who I am. Before Abraham was, I am. And yet he snuck right out of there. You see, Jesus is identifying his name. He bypasses Abraham, jumps to Moses. And so the reason they were throwing rocks at Jesus when they declared his name to be I am was because they knew that he was using the term God used to define himself to Moses at the burning bush which we've all read in Exodus chapter 3. So they knew Jesus was declaring himself to be the God who actually talked to Moses. What does I am mean? So what does I am actually mean? I am is made up of four letters. Yet all four of these letters are consonants with no vowels, which made up, the unpronounceability, you couldn't pronounce it because it was all consonants with no vowels. Let me explain it to you. It was God's use in identifying himself with four consonants that you could never say. So we start to notice here that his name was viewed by Israel as the unspeakable name. Because there was no way to recite the four consonants. In order to talk about God, what they did was they took vowels from the Hebrew word Adonai, which means 
boss, supervisor, or manager. And they took the vowels and they put it with four consonants so that you can now say the word Yahweh. Yahweh. Now, what's interesting, Megan walks into the house yesterday and she's like, Dad, what do you think about my shirt? And it said Yahweh, but it was spelled just like you just saw Y-H-W-H. So Yahweh are the four consonants with the vowels from Adonai so they could speak the name. And when the name Yahweh got translated into English, it actually means Jehovah. Jehovah. God is Yahweh. Hebrew, which is the which is called, and it's a fancy word, and we'll see if I can say it right, the tetragrammaton, four letters with some borrowed vowels. And the question was, what does I am actually mean? First of all, I am is personal. So when you get a personal program, program, yeah, when you get a personal pronoun, that tells you that it is a person talking. It means I am. We've abused pronouns around here, haven't we, lately? I look at some of these places that we do business with, and I think to myself, what are you referring yourself to? And I'm so thankful for the great I am that he knew who he was, that he was Yahweh, that he was Jehovah. That he is God with us. So when God uses this name, he is saying to you, I want to relate to you person to person. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to make this personal. Not only is he personal, but he's personal in the present tense. I am. He didn't say I was or I will be. He said I am. So let me tell you something about God's name. God has no past, and he has no future. He has no yesterday, and he has no tomorrow. Everything about God is the here, right here, right now. It is in the present tense. Now stay with me this morning, okay? You and I can't relate to that because we live in kind of linearly years. We're all in that linear year. That is, we go from 1 to 10 We go from A to Z, from beginning to end, from the first to the last. That's how we live our life. Because we live life in time and space. But God lives outside of time and space. So the first thing is he's a person. Second thing is he is present tense, so everything is now. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's everywhere all the time, and he knows who you are. He's right here in your space. Cool, huh? Now, the reason for this, why this is so important, is that it means whatever God has prophesied in the future We're waiting on. And he's not waiting on 
That's why you can bank on anything that God says that has not happened yet that he declares will happen because as far as he's concerned, it's right here and it's right now. So think about this. So he's not waiting like you're waiting. You're waiting for lunch today. You're waiting to see some loved ones. His timeline is different. We are waiting for fulfillment of what is now in his reality, okay? You follow me? Because we're talking about another reality. Of course, Jesus says, I am. Now, I'm going to bring this all together. I promise you. I'm just kind of I'm building a platform, right? And then we'll just zoom right, right to the end so that you understand where I'm headed. Of course, Jesus is saying, I am. Well, he doesn't just say, I am. He says, I am that I am. You under, are you with me? He talks about himself twice in the I am signature. Why is he saying, I am that I am, number one? He is who he declares himself to be. He is not who you may want him to be. And there's a lot of misconceptions out there about God because men want to define him in man's terms. And he says, no, I am who I am. I am the resurrection and the life. And I'm going to tell you right now that there's a pastor over Easter that did something that was so blasphemous that I would hate to be in his shoes because you know what? I know who the great I am, and I reverence him, and he is holy in this sanctuary and in this temple and in this body, and we should not blaspheme. We know who he is, and he isn't some woman who's hanging on a cross. I think we've just settled down to entertainment. We've, we've given in to just whatever society thinks you know, that we should give to him instead of preaching who he is. You know, I'm always humbled because think about this church. Think about being up here in my spot. And this isn't in here. I just thought I'd throw this in here. But always preaching about I am that I am. And I was standing today uh, in the bathroom. And I, it was quiet. Bex at the hospital. And I closed my eyes. And I said, God, I want to reverence you in a way and honor you. And, and let our people see that you are holy and that Jesus came. And you came in the form of man. And Lord, help me to to really talk about you and brag about you and let everybody understand that you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as much as you were the God of the New Testament. You're the God of the Old Testament. But God, speak through me today. Because in, in this context, it sometimes is difficult because people are like, oh, how is this applicable to my, my life? Well, because if God isn't applicable to your life and Jesus isn't applicable to your life, we have nothing. And that's why we have to stop and understand what the doctrine has to say about, he says, I am the great I am. Now, because he is who he is, and he's defined by himself, and everything is now, that means he is who he is eternally. Because he always lives in the same state, state of being, so he, isn't, so he is an internal being. It's built into the nature of God to be who he is and to forever be that way because he changes not. Now I want to show you something. Because in James chapter 1 verse 17 says every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. It comes from the Father of light in whom there is no shifting shadow. There's no doubt. He does not change. Yet the Bible talks about him changing his mind or changing this or maybe changing that. But I want to show you. Let me help you with that because God does not change in his essence, but he will change in his methods. Follow me. So when people adjust to God, it may look like God is changing, but God is not changed. He's just responding. 
He's just responding to the fact that you have turned. That's why repentance is so important to experience God. So it means you've got to turn if you want to experience more of God. Because if you're not turning right, then you're not experiencing the side of God that you want to experience. Are you with me? Are you with me? Okay, so he says, I am who I am. I am defined by myself. Now, because there's a bunch of I am's here, I'm, I'm breaking this down. I am self-defined. I do not have to go outside of myself or go outside of anything. For I am the great I am. That is my view on me that you should be dealing with. So God is the I am totally self-contained, self-sufficient, personal in the present being who wants to communicate with you, with me, and with all of us. And Jesus said, before Abraham was I am. So when you are talking about Jesus, you're talking about the God who speaks in the Old Testament. You're talking about the eternally created God who became a man and his name is I am, the eternally present one. And he's also the God of the New Testament. Now, having established all this, that God lives in the eternal now, and Jesus claims to be that God, there are seven I am's in the book of John, which were highlighted as I read through them, you circled them, which were highlighted this past week again through my devotions and through... How many of you go... you guys go through those devotions on the Bible app? Okay, so you've been going through the IMs as well? Great. I just want to do something different. I thought, we'll see if we're all on the same page, right? And uh, so I wanted to kind of preach on this today so that we could look at the seven concepts of I am in the book of John and see why they matter and then talk about it today between you and me so we understand this. So John chapter 6, verse 35. And I'll go through this very quickly, and then we'll close. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. He says, you will never thirst. He's talking about the Old Testament when he was in the wilderness. Now, I don't know if you know this, but I'm, I'm going to show you something here. What he says when he said, I became the bread of life, and he came down from heaven and that was me in verse 41, which we can pull that up if you will. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread of life, which came down from heaven. What he was saying there was that he is the bread of life who came down from heaven. Now, what is manna and what does this mean anyhow? You know, what is the question that's going on here? So actually when it says... And when it means what is it, or depending on where you're from, what it is, it was actually the question, what is it? Now, why would God send frosted flakes from above? I'll tell you why. They were little wafers that floated down from heaven. Literally, angel food, right? And it floated down from the heaven, and they ate, ate it six days of the week. And they called it manna. And that word interpreted means what it is. The reason they called it what is it question is because they had to answer the question. And the answer to the question of what is it 
It was a supernatural provision of God for his people from heaven. And so he showed up as I am the bread of life. Now watch this play out. It says it came down from heaven. He said, I'm the bread of life that came down. So now watch this. What Jesus is saying is what God fed you physically in the wilderness, my job is to feed you spiritually in your day-to-day life. My name is I am, and I am the bread of life. It is me who's designed to fill you spiritually, and nothing else you can do matters. So when you see bread of life, Jesus came from Bethlehem, Bethel meaning house, El meaning God, and Lehem meaning bread. So Jesus came from the house of bread because he's the bread of life. Interesting. And yet right here he says, I'm the great I am because he came down as bread, as manna, to feed us, and now today we get to correlate that, and now he gets to minister to us on on a spiritual level, not just a physical level. Pretty cool, huh? So let's continue. So even though he preexisted up there, he said, I came down here, and one of the reasons I came here was to feed you feed somebody chapter 8 verse 12 then jesus spoke to them again saying i am the light of the world he who follows me follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life i love this because jesus is saying here i'm the bread i feed you but i'm also the light because i illuminate you right because here's reality we live in a dark place and when the sun rises in the morning that's illumination because you can see But the darkness goes away, and now you can see straight because now you have light. Because when there's no light, we have to have Jesus in our life to have light to light our path. And I'm talking about in our spiritual life. Not just in the physical, but in our spiritual. Jesus says, if you follow me, I'll let you see where you're going. Because for many of us in this room, we don't even know where we're going. A lot of us don't know where we're going. And the proof that a lot of us don't know where we're going is we keep going down the wrong streets, the wrong alleys, and making bad decisions. He says, but if you let me be the illumination of your life, then you will find the way to go. So if you're here today and you don't have direction or clarity, but you definitely want it, and you want it from God, he said, you've got to follow me. You've got to find out what I say, what I think. And you've got to do that regardless of what your peeps say, regardless of what your people say. And here's the big one, regardless of what your mind starts to tell you. So he says, I am the light. Now we, we continue in chapter 10, verse 7. He says, then I am the door. Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you that I am the door of the sheep. I am the door in verse 9. It says, if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out to find pasture. Shepherds had a gate. The door where the sheep could enter. And he says, if you come through me, if anyone, I want you to look to, to the person next to you and say, anyone? That means you. Because many of us Think that it's just a select group of people. He says that if anybody comes through, if anyone enters through me, he will be saved. He'll go to heaven. But that's not all. He will go in and out. He'll find freedom and he'll find pasture. 
He says, I'll satisfy them. Abundant life means fully realizing that God wants done in your life. But he says, you've got to come through the door because I'm the door. So listen, if you're going to come through the door, if you're going to get through the gate, you've got to realize that he's the good shepherd. And we can't follow him if we stand at the gate. So he says, listen, I am the gate. Maybe for some of you, you've been struggling and it's been difficult for you to go to the gate. To enter, enter through the gate. To find peace as you experience who he truly is. Well, today I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He says, all you got to do is come to me. Understand that it's open for you and I am the great I am. I am the gate. I want to just continue. The next I am, he says in chapter 10, verses 11 and 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for sheep. That's the cross. Yet we see here in verse 14, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. I am the good shepherd. A shepherd. He opens the door for the sheep. But the shepherd does something else. He watches over the sheep. See, a shepherd is responsible for the sheep. He loves you. I always say I'm the great under shepherd to the great high shepherd and i'm just here to open up the gate for you because he's the gate and point you in that direction right because we know sometimes we get a little bit mixed up where we're going and what's going on in our life and we need to walk through the gate and seek the shepherd but i love that in in john eleven twenty five, he said just jesus said to her i'm the resurrection i'm the life he who believes in me though he may die he shall live he says i am the resurrection then he says do you believe this do you believe that he is the resurrection even lazarus who had just died jesus says rise up lazarus rise up he can bring any of us that are dead spiritually bring us back to life you just have to believe that you have to embrace it and know that God is the resurrection and life. That he is the great I am. And then in John 14 verse 6 it says, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes into the Father but by me. And I'm going to go through this quickly. I am the way. There's no other way to get to Jesus except through him. There's no way to understand the great I am. For he's the way. And the truth is that he's not going to lie to you. The truth is the word of God. And there's only life in him. So it's not, this is my higher power. I believe in the wood on this cross right here. And I'm going to touch this and pet it all day long. No, that's not, that's not life. The only way we have life, because Thomas even asked the question in John 14. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to the Father but through who? Jesus. For he says, I am the great I am. Isn't that a great thought? I mean, when we, we look at the resurrected Christ and we think, wow, look at all the correlations that are here. And then we see it in John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the true vine. And my father's the vine dresser. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. Listen. 
I am the vine and you are the branches. There's only a life source that comes from the vine. So the great I am is there. So if you want to have life, you've got to make sure that you're a part of that extension to the great I am. You have to make sure that, you know what, if he is the true vine, then I'm going to plug into the way, the truth and the life. Do you like that? I am the true. I just try to put that together. Come on. I'm just trying to help you out as I'm winding down this message. You know, I know sometimes I can become crazy, and I, and I love going crazy on messages and stuff. But, you know, it's for me, if, if you've ever been in my position and stood up here, when you're talking about God, you don't want to misinterpret the holiness of God. I don't want to sometimes sway from my pulpit because I want to make sure that I'm saying exactly what needs to be said. Because today I want all of us to know that we've exalted the great I am and to understand who he is and to understand that if he says, I am the vine in verse 1 of John 15, that if we abide in him, if we stay with him. But here's, here's what it is in conclusion to today's message. You've got to run with him. It says you've got to run with him. Listen, in order to be fruity, and I'm not talking about fruity pebbles or that other kind of fruity. In order to be fruity, you've got to make sure that you're abiding in him. So let me ask you this. So when was the last time somebody wanted to take a bite out of your life? My daughter's over there like, really, Dad? Because, see, they see Jesus doing so much in and through you that they want what you have. They want a piece of what you have. They want to get a piece of just a little bit of that. And if he's the vine and you're the branch and your life bears great fruit, then people should want a piece of it. Everybody likes to say, come on, you want a piece of me? Right there. Oh, just kidding. Okay, people should want a piece of you because you're full of fruit. The only fruit that eats itself is rotten. Rotten fruit is the only fruit that eats itself. So if you're all about you, only about you, it's about me, myself, and I. Maybe that's because maybe you've lived a life of being a rotten Christian. Maybe you're rotten fruit. Because the only fruit that eats itself is rotten. The reason Jesus wants us to be fruitful is He wants us to be impacting the lives of others while He abides in us and impacts us so that it goes to us, through us, and from us. That others are taking a bite out of our lives because what Christ is doing in us, through us, He wants you to be fruity saints. He wants to see great fruit in your life. So here we are. For many of us, maybe in this room, we're asking the question, why? You're trying to live for God and you're only trying to please God. I'm not talking about somebody rebelling. I'm talking about somebody who's trying to please God and it's all contradictory. And maybe for some of you in this room, you just can't make sense of it this morning. You're in the perfect position to hear him call your name. That is to reveal himself to you. And what did he reveal? He revealed to to you his purpose. He says, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And he tells Moses, 
let my people go. He gave him a reason for living. He gave him his purpose. And for him, he wants to give you a purpose. And even with the life of Moses, his purpose was bigger than anything he could have ever done on his own. Because you see, when he told Moses, let my people go, he understood who the great I am was. In Psalms chapter 9, verse 10, it says, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. When you know God's name, you trust Him. You don't have to see it yet because you know His name. For many of us in this room, you can say you know the great I Am. means He's already been there and He's come back. And like fact, I like the fact in John chapter 18, verse 4, they're getting ready to arrest Jesus. All the Roman soldiers are coming to arrest Jesus. And they said, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon Him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? Jesus stood there and said, I am. The Bible says when Jesus said, I am, all the soldiers fell back and collapsed on the ground. Because the I am-ness was so overwhelming. So church, I don't know what's after you today. I don't know what situation is threatening you. I don't know what difficulty is facing you. But when you run into the great I am, people around you've got to back up they got to back up because I am only gets taken when he's ready to be taken so here's what I'm challenging all of us today to do in this name the I amness of God that he is the God who speaks in the Old Testament but he is the personal God for you right here right now if you've received him as your savior and you are following him as your Lord then you have access to the I am-ness of Jesus Christ. So today, church, what's in a name? What's in a name? Well, when it comes to Jesus Christ, all the deity is in a name. Because all that makes God, God, is resident in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why many of us in this room, listen, if you use the word JC or oh my G, I don't want you to take him casually any longer. I want you to understand that he says, I am the great I am. You can't just treat him as just another great teacher or just another great example or a swear word. You've got to recognize when you're dealing with Jesus, you're dealing with all that God is. For he says, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And I'm grateful that he rose from the grave. And that today, we have life in the great I am. Listen, it says, he's the gate. It says, he's the vine. He says, I'm the resurrection. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
He said, I'm here for you. Do you know who I am? I am the great I am. Let's rise to our feet. Father, we thank you, Lord, that today, for the gift of salvation and for being the one way, the true way. Father, the world desperately needs your truth and they need your life. So, Father, guide our steps to be bold in sharing your truth. Guide our steps to be bold in sharing your truth with everybody around us. Use our lives to point others towards you and bring, bring me back, bring them back, bring us back to your way and your truth when we stray. Father, today for some of us, we've gone astray. We don't even understand the word abide. Lord, we want to remain in you. So, Father, help us to abide in you. Help us to be branches that bear good fruit. Father, we acknowledge that you are the resurrection and the life. Father, your word says you are the great I am. Father, if there's somebody here today that needs a fresh touch from you, anointing from you, may they understand the power of the great I am. Father, we're going to come to you because we believe that you are the only way. You are the truth. And there's no other life but the life lived out for Jesus Christ. So, Father, if there's somebody here that does not know you as Lord and Savior, may they come to the saving grace of Jesus today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence today. Thank you for being the great I am. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.